Um, hey, hey, what's up, Willem de Pussy? Fuck. <laughs> Thought we were going to be able to avoid that catastrophe. No way. Um, how are we doing? <clears throat> doing all right. Just, uh, you know, having, having fun with... Uh, Fun with having fun with with uh, Raven, aka Long Corvid. Oh my God! Do you have long? Do you have Burger King Long Covid? No, no. I, oh, okay, uh, cool. I, I am still pulling pulling positive rapid tests, which is which is very annoying. But it's it's mostly just in the in the fucking uh, annoying territory more than anything else. So yeah, I feel like most of the meat and potatoes of these newer variants is is just in the annoying territory at the end of the day, at least for yeah. for vaccinated folks. Yep. Um, my dad got the fucking booster, the new booster. I didn't even know there was a new booster. Shows shows how, how well I'm keeping up with things. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> COVID current events, not uh not easy to keep up with if you if you deliberately try to live under a rock like I do. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, um, I fucking finally watched The Lighthouse last night. I almost oh, nice. I, I almost said The Master because because the, the giant Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> basically the same fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those movies are basically both Fight Club. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the Masters, the I mean the Lighthouse is just fucking Fight Club. Like it's literally just a really fucked version of Fight Club. I I loved it. I thought it was like an insane performance from from both fellas, and I just I couldn't get over like the I could not account for because I, I I went in pretty cold. Like I didn't really know um, anything about like the way the movie actually ends up um, playing out plot wise or like narrative device wise or anything. So I like was not fully prepared for all of the surrealism and man i really i really enjoyed it um definitely one of the more bizarre movies i've seen uh i i gotta say that i, I i'm a robert eggers um enjoyer now yeah i uh i mean i'm, I'm very excited about the northman the northman um i got i got tickets for that uh the lighthouse i, I haven't seen the Veach, uh, but I, uh, you know, people people close to me love it. Um, I, I definitely need to give the Lighthouse a rewatch, like I because I watched it in the first row uh, at BAM, um, right. and, and it's like, like I don't think I was able to get the full experience. Um, you know, first row at Alamo Draft House is great because you're just in the recliners. Uh, and you're just having a chill time eating, you know, your buffalo cauliflower. Um, yeah. The, as, you as, as one does. Yeah. At, at BAM, you're like literally four feet from the screen. And it's just like, I don't even know why they have seats there. It's like so stupid. Um, but yeah, like I, it, it, it did that thing that, uh, you know, I think all like truly great art does where it, it touches on like, it touches on like all of the human emotional spectrum. Um, you know, it's like funny. It's fucking. It's like deranged. It's it's uh, 
you know, there's maybe not a whole lot of maybe like the more positive side of emotions in it, but I, I that was like definitely one thing I appreciated about that that film. Yeah, no, it, it just it it dives into all of the most disquieting aspects of what exists naturally in the human psyche and can get um, really brought out to play under duress. For sure. And, uh, and that's uh, a lot of the, again, I think one of the, one of the things I saw a huge parallel with the master is master is kind of similar, similar vibe in that regard. Um, obviously um, for, for listeners, we, we went and saw the master together in theaters and so uh, that's I, I've, I've got an especially strong um, connection with that movie. I think that that so movie is it, it. I don't think it was the first. It was definitely not the first Paul Thomas Anderson movie I watched. But it was ironically enough because it is like one of his most you know maligned um, movies. It's the it's the movie that made Paul Thomas Anderson click for me. So. Yeah, yeah I've always thought it's funny that that one is like in a weird, like critical gray zone. Like, you know, it's it's hovers around like sixty or seventy on Metacritic and and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And like, I've always been like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think that Paul Thomas Anderson in general just has you know has has had like <laughs> suffering for a bit of like Scorsese. Uh, syndrome in like the critical um like categories like has clearly made genius films but they weren't like genius at the right time or something uh, yes 100 yeah. percent. like how the fuck do you because otherwise yeah how the fuck do you explain anything about his career right like right um it absolutely doesn't doesn't make any fucking sense because like otherwise I don't even <laughs> yeah he he just has this weird kind of I don't want to even say ahead of his time but he always just kind of is operating such on his own level as an auteur to mm-hmm. where like it doesn't it doesn't fuck enough like things don't always hit at like the exact right time in the zeitgeist for him right. or it's like but like I don't know. Like, I think that people's reasons for not liking the master, while completely understandable, and like, I think that reasonable people can disagree. I think people's reasons for liking the master are kind of absurd. Like, oh, what's so you don't like it because it doesn't have a plot? Like, <laughs> fucking, very few of PTA's movies have any kind of real plots. That's not the fucking point of his movies. Like, if, right. you, if you're looking for a fucking plot in a movie, go watch a Marvel movie. I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you, if you're gonna have the fucking, it's like it's like pe- people saying they don't like fucking Paul Thomas Anderson movies because they don't have like a traditional narrative devices. It's like people fucking saying they don't like pineapple on pizza. It's like, uh, okay, you you outed yourself as having the power of an eighth grader. Fucking grow up. <laughs> like, I don't know. And, and yeah, like I, I've always like, you know, a long time ago had a. a I think an aesthetically life-changing conversation with 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 uh, with Ryan um, that was you know it was about it was about techno and opera and and we were talking or like or like you know uh, dance music and opera and like like Ryan made like the I think brilliant point that like 
those things like like four on the floor bass drum is going to be a thing in that music and like if that's like your reason for not liking it like or or if you don't like high like operatic vocals uh and that's your reason for not liking opera like you should like, like at some point you have to agree to the like material conditions of the art to just like yes. and then like and then just fucking enjoy it from there you know um and, and i've always thought that that's like a really a really good way to like approach art and and, and you know yeah being like oh this doesn't i, I don't like techno because the beat goes boom 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 like okay well fuck you <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's like I'm. I'm sorry that. Um, like that's just a really that's a really immature and sophomoric approach to consuming art in general, right? Like there's a certain amount of assumptions that you just need to just like level with the artist about out of the gate, and and then like and it art, art really only can like art really only becomes enjoyable when you consume it within those kind of assumption parameters, right? Like right because like you those assumptions effectively build like a bounded playground for you to enjoy the art on. Right. And it's right. Like, uh, like you can't like, it's just, it is such a fucking absolutely um, asinine way to look at art in general to like have a, have a really crass set of fucking aesthetic parameters that you apply to every art experience that you have. Like, what the fuck <laughs> like i that, it, this is gonna this is gonna strike some listeners perhaps as sounding you know pretentious but um that's fine that's that's a, that's one i i think that uh people should uh think and be more intentional about the way that they consume art and that's one of the hills that i fucking will die on and fucking yeah i hate that 90s hardcore because the d-beat is in it you know no, that I, I was i was literally going to like going to mention that it's like oh yeah that would be like somebody saying that they don't like hardcore because they don't like mosh parts it's like i mean you got to figure out something else like i don't know what the fuck to tell you because fucking 90 percent of hardcore has fucking mosh parts in it or skank parts and like that's just that is what it is like um yeah. So, uh, without further ado, further uh, further ado. I mean, I would love for Mountain Dew stock to go up. Yeah, and I would also like to drink a Mountain Dew with uh, Reggie Ledoux. out of the way welcome everybody to another episode of master shake Sh- master shake theater <laughs> aqua team pod to the stars uh i'm your host jim uh with us today we have scott Stapp of creed um Good to be here yeah thanks thanks scott um for pulling yourself out of your uh out of your five day long movie marathon that you've been on for the reboot of your um, youtube show take me to can you take me to the movies very very excited um uh about that um we actually we have a we have a sponsor damn it (laughs) uh 
you're you're a funny guy, but that's one of the funniest fucking things you've said. So I love it. <laughs> okay, so I'll uh, can you take me to the movies? So uh, you're gonna shit your fucking dick because that is actually a real thing. It's um, no got accepted for a while. <laughs> yeah. So um, what the fuck? I I think it I think it's on YouTube. I it crossed my desk at some point in like 2016 or so. Um, I, our sponsor today, just to get the plug off, um, we only really have one sponsor is, uh, uh, Scott Stapp, uh, Scott Stapp edition, Orville Red and Butters, uh, movie, movie popcorn, um, special, special spice blend that will take you higher because it contains, uh, Szechuan peppercorn. So it'll make you feel high. Uh, if you want your, if you want your movie experience to truly be sacramental and feel like church. Um, go to um, stapcorn.com, um, enter the promo code uh, Master Shake Theater, spell it out at checkout, give yourself 10% off your first order. Um, Scott Stapp, Red and Butter Popcorn will take you higher. Thank oh, yeah. you. <laughs> um, today, today, we are talking about season one, episode 16, PDA. Um, this aired actually on uh, 12-25-2002, Christmas of 2002. Um, in, this, in this episode, Master Shake loses his, his PDA and uh, becomes convinced that it has been stolen by the mysterious tar monster. Um, let's, let's get right into it. Um, I really uh, highly timely premise again these last couple episodes have really have really been because obviously the last episode you were in absentia we were talking about um we were talking about interfection which is a a uh, an episode that is focused on pop-up windows and malware and you know the the subscription model discourse that is still very lively today um, this one obviously a very niche premise that it, that is quite a bit more of a museum piece. Um, talking about talking about PDAs, talking about digital devices um, of that of that very primitive stripe. Um, we get to see out of the gate, like Shake being, um, even though Shake is like a really abusive character, always you get to see him being like really really abusive which i think is 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 great uh in the in its own right like throwing a chair out of the window and making meatwad go get it like really <clears throat> really really fucking quintessential like shithead behavior um <laughs> the adirondacks i guess i fucking <laughs> love the adirondacks joke just like, so good. <laughs> just, oh, like I- getting very specifically tri-state area in the humor and like um it's so funny that they haven't really been um besides like being in the four walls of their house and being in space they haven't really actually done any like like more conventional travel and it's funny that like it's not super far away but it is funny that they just went that far all of a sudden after not traveling anywhere but space um, yeah, I thought that was a, a kind of a standout thing. Well, two things from the episode. One, I, I 
I, I approached it with arms wide open, um, which, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as, as Scott likes to do. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it had like some interesting stuff that I don't think we've seen before. Like, um, the, uh, complete, like false MacGuffin plot or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know what the right word is there, but basically like the, the Adirondacks and the green alien monster footprint, you think that that's going to be like what's going on. Um, and it's not at all. And then, <laughs> and I was like, that's such a nice fucking switch up. Um, and then, yeah, like, I think you're right. There's so much like different use of space, like the, the, the Trenton tar pits, which I think was the funniest fucking part of the whole episode. <laughs> um, and uh and and yeah and like the the, the visit to the adirondacks plus that that great joke about like oh maybe i was just looking at those adirondack chairs in a in a fucking <laughs> magazine <laughs> God. um made me think that i hadn't um i haven't really thought about an adirondack chair besides in like the time in like 2005 when we were going uh garbage picking and we were having like a garbage garbage picking competition and me and Matt Boroff won because we found an Adirondack chair. Pretty, pretty fine moment. Um, well, yeah, really, really good. Um, no, and like the Adirondacks versus Adirondack chair is like, that's a plot device directly lifted from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And I love that so much, right? Like the Alamo, the Alamo basement thing about like that that the entire thing fucking occurs just because the oracle that he's talking to is looking across the street at a place called alan moe's basement like it's, it's very like uh leslie nielsen uh yes. gun humor like. yes which i love it's like an underrated an underrated kind of humor and i i think that actually there's a lot to be revealed about the way that about my sense of humor if you learn that I, I grew up on Naked Gun movies and um, and also Mel Brooks movies, which have a lot of the same constituent parts. For sure. Um, I just love that going to space is a thing that seems more realistic in this show than going to upstate New York. <laughs> I love how they've just sort of like hemmed us into that, um, into that um, Overton window of like what is what might be intuitive and acceptable behavior it's really really good um, yeah that's that's it, it is interesting like that that they are these fantastical and in the words of romulux subhuman creatures um and uh and and, and yet like and, and i think that's exactly it right like it, it in that in that like milieu it makes more sense for them to be going to space than to than to be taking like a nice day trip um to uh to uh to to you know fucking the adirondacks like a, a, yeah it's hilarious yeah um absolutely it's just it's a testament to how 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 well the how well the writers have executed on like creating a world um for us for us the the loyal viewers um they talking about a dvd burner again another timely thing another thing that has really fallen by the wayside given the very 
which I think is interesting because um, DVD burners, especially like fell out of fashion because of very, I think, unexpected and idiosyncratic technological change. Like, I don't think that people would have expected necessarily like CDs and DVDs to like all but entirely fall out of mode like to the point where like new apple computers don't even have like cd and dvd drives like people people always maybe thought that 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 those technologies would get smaller a la the gamecube (laughs) right right Um, but i but i don't think people accounted for the idea that those technologies might just vanish altogether um and i wonder like if there is ever going to be a, a resurgence in physical visual media um Obviously, like last episode, J.I. and I talked at length about like um, sort of speculating about the future of the Internet and, you know, the, the commercial landscape and, you know, what might be sort of unexpected and emergent um, things that we can't currently account for as far as like that landscape evolving and changing. And so I think that this this episode brings up some interesting conversations about like what we sort of the sort of Chuck Klosterman angle about like you know what we got wrong about the future um and I think that DVD burners or as I almost said in my notes DVD burgers um (laughs) really interesting thing that fell through the cracks like I don't I don't think anybody actively um predicted the downfall of physical digital media necessarily I think it's yeah it's 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 a, a really good point and like I like it's it's funny because when when jake mentioned uh he he says you didn't get my wireless email um yeah amazing um i i just wrote in my notes dvd email and then i did too (laughs) dvd email and then i obviously next to it i put hairy chicken um but yeah even even in 20 2010 like i don't think that you know, I think like physical Netflix was still <clears throat> how you get movies, right? Like, um, and it, it is, you know, I, I think streaming was like nascent at that point, um, but but I but very few, you know, I, I think it exploded a little bit later. Um, yeah, which which makes sense, and like I think we've we've sort of had a like. I, I don't think we're quite at the paradigm shift. We we're, we're you know like level from. Oh, I, th- I think we passed the paradigm shift from like physical to you know just just bits, uh, streaming bits. But I, I don't know what the next yeah complete like paradigm shift looks like. Um, it is funny to have the fetishization of like physical media come back a little bit especially i mean like obviously it happened with vinyl and like maybe it'll happen again with cds i don't know i think that maybe in some more niche spaces it already is but um, more niche more niche spaces like my car because i've started (laughs) only listening to cds in my car again oh you like cds yeah cds nuts dude (laughs) um But yeah, like it, it. I mean, the thing about a paradigm shift, right, is it, it is kind of hard to predict within your your current Overton window, I guess, to, to use the wrong term, but to, to use a term yeah. that rhymes with it. 
and and you know to take the to take the um the david snowden angle on it um actually it's not a david snowden angle it is a very david snowden thing that aaron bassani said um which is that like at massive technology change and sort of the, the the type of technology change that that makes a meaningful impact in like everyday life is almost always completely emergent right like it is almost always something that that comes in t- that comes around the corner and blindsides people at like a massive scale and it's right. always it's almost always something that for because for something to be revolutionary enough to cause meaningful change in the way society operates it almost needs to be something that is incomprehensible in the status quo, right? Because otherwise, like, how the hell is that actually going to be revolutionary? Like, if it's just something that we can think, given our, we, we can think readily entertain the idea of, given our current set of assumptions, there's a good chance it's not going to be like a radical enough change to solve problems. <laughs> and so, like, that's like pretty much the whole of uh, Elaine Bedu's philosophy of the event, right? Just like, yeah you know the and 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 for him like that the thing that is radical enough to do that is is what you should consider true and like um and then you should you know like true things are things that you should keep fidelity to um i don't know i I guess like as as i read more richard rorty i i feel like i'm I'm more of like an evolutionary less revolutionary type um yeah I, i think that there is still there is still maybe there's still enough like material to do reformists uh thinking and change on um but yeah i mean I, yeah I, I i absolutely agree but i think as long as like i think the big thing with you know with rorty is just like as long as the you are relatively generous with the way that you allow your assumptions to de- to be debased Right, like as long as that is right like with a with a more with a more evolutionary reformist um, approach, like I think that a, a huge, you know, constituent foundational part to that is is to just let be able to let your let your assumptions go to fuck off, Bill. Um, yeah, some calls for it. I mean, right now, exactly. Like I think the, the he. And, and he specifically liked, you know, philosophers that like, that essentially arrive at the conclusion that conclusion that they need to self-create themselves, but then they, they realize that someone's going to self-create them later, um, which I think is, and, and, you know, I guess that gets all tied up with Hegelianism in like a cool way. But yeah, like I, I, I like the idea of like historicism in the Hegelian sense also being like applied to this kind of like reformists um, like view rather than just like, yeah, completely like revolutionary view. Um, good shit. I don't, I don't know that this is the angle this episode is going to take today. Fun. Yeah, that, absolutely. And I mean, this, this is low key. We, we are, we are in the arc that, that all podcasts get to where they like, that this is now a cultural studies theory pod pretty, pretty brazenly that is merely sort of LARPing as an Aqua Teen Hunger Force pod, right? And like, that's, that's, that's the good point where all podcasts should get to, where like, 
whatever whatever narrative blossoms organically um over the course of the pod like becomes the meat and potatoes of it and then the the superficial premise becomes you know just that superficial and um that that is to say that couple couple really good, couple more really good quotes in this and moments that i want to speak to um <laughs> fucking um i have some parents frylock <laughs> just me very sad um like foster kid arc just happening again me crying for a second time um shake saying i need to access my database and see if i'm on schedule again like really prim- primitive and ham-fisted sort of treatment of that technology also said, like, uh, hand-fisted right yeah hand hand-fisted yeah um as a call forward to the hand banana episode um uh, slavery like to, to technology like shake is an early adopter to the like slavery technology thing um and um fucking couple couple other things uh the personal analog assistant is really funny i'm definitely gonna start calling my notebook a personal analog assistant again after seeing this episode and and then um the thing that i think the only moment in the in this episode that made me really laugh out loud was is this the movie thief music by (laughs) tangerine dream (laughs) i fucking love that line i wrote that one down and then uh everything about romulox cracked me up because he he or it i i I don't know what I, i think like reminded me so much of my old creative director and like yes and 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 just had so much creative director energy which uh just absolutely absolutely killed me um also like i I love that he dropped the i'm audi 5000 uh which just absolutely i I think my favorite romulocks line was uh (laughs) that was a phone call i'm sure you've had (laughs) one (laughs) i have many yes um i i think that it's so great that you name checked a you know a creative director being a being a thing that that is a good grounds for comparison for for romulux because i think you can sort of extrapolate that he romulux is very in in keeping with the a, a growing tradition of um villains in this show and sort of more broadly like a lot of the villains that we saw in c-lab and sort of villains that you see in this era of adult swim in general are villains are just these sort of aloof like deliberately um deliberately bugged all the time kind of glib holier than thou types um and it's funny that i think that is actually one of the more prescient aspects of these shows because like I can't think of a type of person who is more kind of um, villain a number one in society right now than than these sort of um, than these kind of glib glib holier than thou PMC types. I think people mm-hmm. the people the people that are actively damaging the the fabric of our society the most on a tangible basis, um, especially in terms of you know our in terms of our economic narrative are these types of people and i think that i mean it was probably completely accidental i just think that these are a really um interesting type of villain to to riff on if you're a comedic show 
but I do think that's a, an interesting thing that this show is definitely can inadvertently um, forward thinking about. I don't know what your take on that is, but I, no, I, I think, I think absolutely like it, it is real. Uh, it, it is real good. Like Diogenes, uh, you know, yelling at uh, fucking Alexander the great vibes, you know, like a yes. con- contempt for contempt for like wealth uh, type type feeling to it. Um, and, and I think they do it really well. Like, yeah, like they make, <laughs> they make Romulox like it, it doesn't do anything villainous really it's just like very glib and like holier than now <laughs> like yeah, you know very annoying right it's just it's very, very annoying exactly it's very annoying in very like in very urgent ways right like that's and, the, and of course like Shake looks up to him right like it's of course genius um and and uh <laughs> yeah I can I, I really love the way that they that they set that up just just the the, the whole episode is just like well I, I i mean like i said earlier i also love the trenton tar pits i think that was so fucked up um, oh yeah absolutely it's like one of the more one of the more bizarre and macabre things that the show has done yet which is good glass bottom submarine uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking Laughed a lot at tar, Mother Nature's phlegm. Yes, I, uh, <laughs> had that in my notes as well. Uh, <clears throat> unbelievable! Uh, we want to we want to hit Culture Corner real quick and then wrap this baby up. Yeah, not not too much. I think it's I think we still have uh, the same the same movie. Um, our friend, uh, what's his what's his name? Imanim. E- Rapper Emanine. Uh, the only yeah. other thing I added was uh, Joe Strummer. Uh, yes, died right around this time. Um, I thought I that there was yeah, yeah. I remember I was I was this this was the first death in it, this this and Didi Ramon happened in pretty quick succession. And this was sort of 2002 was my first sort of year being as sort of as fully bought in on punk as I am to this day. And so I remember like it was a it was a bizarre experience coming in and then having two of the biggest, biggest names in the business die off right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was Stummer. young too, 50 years. 50, only yeah. 50 years. Died of a uh, congenital heart condition. Yeah. Um, it's uh yeah, I, I, it's messed up, man. It's um, messed up. That's messed up. Really, that's messed up. The Clash are truly a... I think that the Clash are in the same zone as the Beatles. Of like, It's fucking impossible for them to be overrated because of how, how good, how both good and important they were. Like, if mm-hmm. you think you're... If, the, if you think the, the Clash are overrated, then you're probably a fucking contrarian for like with some sort of like you cannot like what they do aesthetically like they do a very specific thing aesthetically it just so happens to fucking bang but like i mean if, if you don't like fun if you don't like fucking good music then that's that's fine that's i, I don't know what to tell you but like hair of good music myself sure yeah that. I, I think that music should suck right <laughs> i think that music like i only listen to fucking i only listen to 
to fucking I don't know. I I like such good music that I can't even think of like a straw man example of bad music now. Um, <laughs> fucking like because I'm not gonna just punch down and say fucking uh, trapped. Like it's it's very clear to everybody that trapped is bad. Fucking yeah. I, 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 I might even like them, you know. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've got they've got a, they've got some good riffs. Um, also watched. Just, just, just to conclude, um, for for no reason other than that, I, I think that there's validity um, in all types of culture. I, I, I watched the the town last night for probably like the tenth time in my life. That movie's so good. I can't. I love the town. It. Yeah, I can't believe that Ben Affleck like tried to basically fucking make a movie that was equal parts Guy Ritchie and Martin Scorsese. And succeeded with flying colors, like fucking insane. He does um, a really good Scorsese impression. Like I think, yeah, uh, I've I've enjoyed. Uh, I think he also did, uh, also directed Gone Baby Gone. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, I think so. Yeah, it was fucking. Uh, who actually directed that? Yeah, yeah, it was directed by Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, and that has big time Scorsese vibes. Um, ben, uh, ben Affleck, right? Um, the three, the three Fleck brothers, um, right. Ben, uh, ben uh, Bella, and Casilla. Casilla, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, with that out of the way, we're gonna sign off. Um, thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for sticking with us and using these, using these episodes, hopefully as a companion to the episodes on on the TV. Or whatever device box you stream them on. Um, if you if you want to hear our C Live episodes again or for the first time, there is a link in the description of the episode to our Patreon. Um, and uh, with that out of the way, we're going to sign off and uh, wish you a delicious. <laughs> I hope that you make you're able to make a delicious deal with the, the rest of your week and the weekend to come. Uh-huh.